All right. Hey, good morning again. Um, man, if you guys are new here, welcome. My name's Tanner. I'm actually the associate pastor at Verbatim Church. And we're so glad to have you here this morning. Um, I'd mentioned at the beginning of service, it's been a crazy week around here. Um, from just changing up service orders. So glad that we could do so. Um, to kind of get in a call last minute from another church, uh, a, a brother and sister Calvary here in town, or not in town, but in the state that uh, that called us pretty last minute and said, hey, our pastor's uh, in the hospital. He's going to have emergency surgery in the morning, and we have nobody available to, to teach on Sundays. And so uh, Terry called me and um, and asked if I would preach again today. I got the opportunity to, to teach last week, and, and I said, yes. I said, give me a minute to put a message together. And uh, I was a little bit stressed out for a second, but just realized, man, that I was just uh, thinking about the words that uh, Pastor Tom told me over in Lebanon a few weeks ago when we were over there just hanging out that... Uh, and sometimes it's just as easy as getting up here and just reading the word and the word kind of speaks for itself often. And so uh, put my trust in Lord and uh, Terry's uh, filling in for that church. I'm just so glad that we're a church that can go help other churches in need when that happens. Cause I know the struggle of being that church that doesn't have anybody waiting in the wings to, to teach. So I'm excited to be up here this morning. Um, God, we just pray for that that pastor. I'm not sure I'm allowed to say publicly, God, but you know who he is. And uh, God, we just pray that you be with him in the hospital this morning. God, be with Terry as he teaches uh, at that congregation, God. Uh, God, we just pray for your ultimate healing. Be with the doctors and, and nurses uh, involved in, in whatever's going on with this pastor. God, we just lift that church up to you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. But on top of that, man, we had people uh, people having babies. Baby Titus was born. Uh, Travis and Carly, happy to report they had their baby. Uh, sounds like they're getting released from the hospital today. Everything's good. Um, so, man, praise God for that. Um, we've got a wedding coming up next week. It's just an awesome time at the church. Big, uh, just man, between all the baptisms and stuff, I was feeling really blessed uh, just writing our me- or writing this message and. And just seeing what God's doing in the church. I also realized that between my wardrobe changes, I lost my hat. So it, you, it works as like a sweatband for me. So if I'm just doing this, it's just, I don't have my like sweat catcher today. So um, bear with me there. I don't know where that's at, but <clears throat> we're going to be in the book of uh, James this morning. I taught from James 1 last week. I said, why not just teach from James 2 this week? So if you guys want to open your Bibles to James 2 this morning... Um, I probably picked way more scripture than I have time for this morning, but that's okay. We'll just get as far as we need to go. And um, <clears throat> and the my sermon's called A Living Faith That Loves. And last week, I got the opportunity to just teach from James 1, uh, where it just talks about the Word of God and how important it is that we need to be in the Word of God, but not just in the Word of God uh, but applying that word of God, being doers of the word and not just hearers. <clears throat> and as we go on, um, we, we really just see that um, James in the rest of this book and the rest of his letter is talking about some of the results we get for, 
for uh, some of the re rewards, uh, some of the behavior changes, some of the things that we should see happening to us as we just are doers of the word, as we are applying the word to our hearts and, uh, and growing our faith and, our, and growing spiritually in the word. Um, and that's that idea of a living faith, something that's growing, uh, something that's living. <clears throat> Our scripture today is going to, uh, it really just, it covers a multitude of things. And again, I'm going to try to get all the way to James chapter uh, three, into James chapter three today. Um, but our scripture can, I really saw just a key point to these three first things that James talks about in this letter. And, uh, and they all kind of have to do with uh, the love of God, the love of Christ. And that love comes from that, that living faith. <clears throat> you guys ever find that loving people is kind of hard sometimes? Loving difficult people is especially hard sometimes. It, it's, it's a difficult thing. It's something that, that, we, uh, that we struggle with. It's our sin tendencies to not be so, so nice to people sometimes, uh, especially when they're not nice to us. And so I think this is a good word for us from, from James this morning. Um, and we're really going to see just him break down three things this morning. And again, kind of the core subject, uh, we can really just boil this down to love. And so we're going to see James talk about uh, a living faith that loves unconditionally, a living faith that produces loving actions. And we're going to see that a living faith uh, is a faith that speaks with love. And so if you guys uh, are there, we're going to just be in verse one of James chapter two. Uh, if you guys are note takers, point number one that I'm going to make today uh, that we're going to see in our scripture is that a living faith loves unconditionally. And we're going to get in the scripture this morning. And again, a lot of the scripture, James, James is pretty passionate about this stuff. You're going to see he does a really great job of just uh, of writing down, using examples, and just making his message clear. So I feel like there's not a lot I even need to say, uh, but I'm going to try to just break this down. And, and But uh, man, so much of this is just self-explanatory and just so easy to follow. That's I, one reason I love James is because he... he uh, he just gets straight to the point. He uses great examples. So <clears throat> verse one, my brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory with partiality. For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings in fine apparel, and there should also come a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing fine clothes and say to him, you sit here in a good place. And you say to the poor man, you stand there or sit by my fool's footstool. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brethren, have God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he promised to love to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Do not blaspheme that noble name by which you are called. <clears throat> if you really fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and you are convicted by the law as transgressors. 
For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. For he said, for he who said, do not commit adultery and also said, do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And we're going to stop right there and just get into this text. And so you can see here pretty clearly, James is talking about favoritism. Uh, He uses the word partiality. uh, And it's that idea. And his reference is referencing a rich man versus a poor man. And he actually uses the example of church in his example and says um, that word being synagogue, James was teaching to to Jewish people. And so he says, if you've got two kinds of people coming into the church and one's a rich man, one's a poor man, you're giving that rich man a priority. You're telling him he can sit up front. You're telling the poor man he's got to go stand in the back or sit sit by your feet. Uh, That's favoritism. That's discrimination, and that's a, that's judgment. And again, I'm going to say it again. It just kind of speaks for itself. I don't need to tell a room full of adults that that's, a, that's something that's not okay. Uh, but the Bible here tells us it's not okay. <clears throat> that's, not only the, that's not the only uh, case of favoritism in our lives, Right? There's many things uh, that we can look at in our lives and, and just see uh, people judging us over uh, different statuses. It could be education. It could be race, uh, family status, social status, um, your location. <clears throat> All of these things are, are things that can be divisive uh, and they're things that can be used to, to judge other people. And it's our sin tendency to go, well, I don't really agree with, with that. And so I'm going to look down on them, <clears throat> but that's not love. That's certainly not of Jesus. And, uh, <clears throat> and we are not to be the, uh, to judge people on the basis of external appearances. I love that the scripture gets down to the end after he says, <clears throat> Um, after he uses this example of being a judge uh, of the poor man versus the rich man, but then says, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs to the kingdom, which he promised to those who love him? And what does that mean? That He's saying that the poor were often the ones that, that had the most faith in Jesus because they didn't have money to fall back on. They had to put their hope in Jesus. That message was for them. They had to have, and it's not saying if you're wealthy that it's a bad thing, but it can be a stumbling block for us. Wealth can be something that can, that can cause us to, uh, to have sinful tendencies, to have sinful nature. But when used correctly, and it's just that idea of just having... Um, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for this morning? Um, 
not being greedy, just not having greed, um, being somebody who's uh, willing to just share and, and be helpful and be loving. <clears throat> so that's what he's talking about when he's saying, are the poor, man, this, this message of Jesus and the hope and faith of Jesus isn't just for the higher class people, it's for everybody. And often it's the, it's the people of the lower class that, that look to Jesus and, and put more trust in Jesus than these rich people. And then he talks about rich people and, um, and the wealthy and you, you know, it's kind of just like our, our society where, uh, but even more so there was a very poor class and there was a very wealthy class. And often the 1% of the wealthy uh, employed the 99% of the poor. And so that's basically just making reference to when he's talking about um, how the rich oppress and drag you into the courts, uh, talking about often they got into disputes because of just the nature of them working for one another. But we don't judge people based on uh, on the basis of external appearances. And we keep going in the scripture. And he says, if you really fulfill the royal law, I like how he calls it the royal law, according to scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Why does he call it the royal law? It's because Jesus mentions it and says uh, in Mark 12, Verse 30, he says, and the second, the first being love the Lord. The second being you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So we see Jesus say, you need to be people loving your neighbor. That's most important to me over loving God. That's next important is this idea of love and loving others. And being in a place of judgment is not loving. Those two cannot exist. <clears throat> and also, uh, he's also referencing uh, Leviticus. The old law talks about loving your neighbor. Leviticus 19.18 says, You shall not take vengeance, nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. The, pr- the problem is we like to think that we're people worthy of judging other people sometimes. That's our, that's our sin tendencies. That's the enemy talking that we can, we, we're, we're people worthy for whatever reason. We think in our hearts that we can be better than other people sometimes um, and that we're worthy of judging others. Um, and Mark talks about that in the end of, of here that... There's only one person worthy of judging, and, and that's, the, that's the person who's kept the law. That's the perfect person. That's Jesus. Everybody else, um, everybody else is a sinner. Right? If you're a sinner, and you all are, you sinners, um, then we're not worthy of judging others. That's, we need to keep that judgment for the perfect person. Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and says, so, so speak. And so do those. Uh, oh, sorry. 
so speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. If the problem is that we're people that think that we're worthy of judging other people, the solution is that we need to be growing in, in love. Um, and love like Jesus loved people, and love thy neighbor. Do that commandment that Jesus said, this is the most important. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And another word for mercy is just compassion. And compassion is a form of love. So the end of that verse, the end of that part of scripture can really be broken down into love triumphs over judgment. And this idea of love is better than judging people. Let's leave the judging for Jesus. And oh my gosh, it's already 1045. Love triumphs over judgment. Wow, we got to get going here, folks. I'm going to keep you guys here till 1230. Some of us got a a Vikings game to go watch lose. I'm just kidding. Uh, point number two we're, we're going to see here today in our scripture is that a living faith produces loving action. A living faith produces loving action. And we're going to get into this part of scripture that's pretty famous. It's pretty well-known part of scripture. Verse 14. <clears throat> what does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things that, which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, if you have faith and I have works, show me your faith without works. And I will show you my faith by my works. I underline that in my Bible. Faith by my works. If you believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac, his son, on the altar? Did you see that faith was working together with his works and by works, faith was made perfect and scripture was fulfilled, which says Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. Likewise was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way. For the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. That can be a controversial statement in the church. This can be a controversial piece of scripture in the church. And often, uh, I think it was Martin Luther that really had an issue with uh, James saying this. Um, But I think Martin Luther missed the point that James was trying to be that not that we have to be doing things to be saved, uh, but we are saved and that shouldn't be void of works, of our action. 
there's a, there's a reaction that comes with faith. <clears throat> so we see right in the beginning, James is posing a question here. What good is faith without works? And uses an example of uh, just helping people in need and says, what good is it? What, what good is your faith if, if you're not going to do anything practical to help these people out uh, and just provide really basic, simple needs to them? <clears throat> How can you have faith in Jesus and not and not just live out simple things that Jesus uh, told us to live out and go do and help? <clears throat> that's not living faith. That's dead faith. That's the opposite of this living faith that that James is talking about here. That's faith without works is dead, and that's all he's saying here is that. It's just, it's, it's pretty useless. It's not, it's, it's got no point. It's, it's sitting on the ground, not doing anything. A dead person doesn't do anything. And in the same reason, uh, a, a dead faith uh, doesn't do anything. It's something that there's got to be an action. <clears throat> and I love the examples he uses. Again, James so good at just giving practical examples um, to help us understand what he's saying. <clears throat> um, and again, James is talking to this Jewish population. And so they'd understand his references, his examples of Abraham and Rahab. And I love Abraham and Rahab and how they're such different examples of people, kind of two extremes in the Old Testament where Abraham say, or Abraham was just a leader of God uh, the Jewish people really looked to Abraham as the guy, God's guy. It was Abraham in the Old Testament. And then you've got Rahab the harlot. Who, if you don't know Rahab the harlot, she, she was living <clears throat> in Jericho. And the Israelites were getting ready to attack Jericho and, and sent him some spies to, uh, to help look at, look at things and, and assess the situation and uh, ran into Rahab and Rahab because of Rahab's faith that, that uh, God would help her in this situation, uh, help get out. She was, uh, she was able, or she, she was willing to do this action of helping these spies, assisting these spies so they wouldn't get caught. And she was blessed for it. <clears throat> She did that because she had faith in God. Abraham was ready to go sacrifice his son because of his faith in God. It's that action. There's action steps. <clears throat> and then it says even demons, they believe in God. Did you guys know that? Demons believe in God. And it shows the demons action. They tremble. Not a good action. They're scared, but there's still an action there. Do you see that? There's still works with the demon. It's, it's trembling, but it still works. There's still a reaction to every single faith. Anything you have faith in, you should have a reaction to. It should, there should be something changing you if you have faith in that. There's going to be an active response when we have genuine faith in something. 
<clears throat> Obviously, we can't sit here and live perfect lives, but we can strive to love like Jesus loved. We can put others' needs over our own. And I think that's what this boils down to is just that love that, that we should have for others. <clears throat> our works should produce love. And because Jesus is our ultimate example of that, uh, and, and we saw Jesus do nothing but love. He wanted to help people. He helped us. He put our needs over his when he went to the cross for us. <clears throat> and so just being people that, that are willing to, to do loving actions, whether that's getting involved in, in something going on here at church, an outreach, um, donating clothes to the people in need, there, there should be action and, and it should be something loving. <clears throat> Loving action is, is part of that living faith. And we're going to truck along here, 1052, feeling better, got through that point pretty quickly. So um, point number three is a living faith speaks love. And we're going to be in chapter three, verse one, says, my brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, <clears throat> able to also bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest, uh, sorry, see how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things not ought to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives? Or can a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. Tell us how you really feel, James. he, uh, man, he's got some stuff to say about speech and the tongue and, and what it can be used for this morning. He's getting pretty passionate. He calls our tongue poison, says it's of hell, um, unruly evil. Uh, got some, got some words to say about the tongue this morning. Um, but I think there's a reason for that. <clears throat> It's a giant warning to tell us that you better watch what's coming out of your mouth. 
because it can affect other people negatively. Um, the good news is that we can use our tongues for good uh, as long as we're watching what we're saying. It goes back to James 1 where we said, be slow to speak. We need to be people slow to speak this morning. I love, again, James just great at using these examples. Um, uses a bridle to control a horse. I don't know much about horses or some, something you put in a horse's mouth to, okay. Horses, but a ship. I know ships are cool. Um, and it says a giant ship can be steered with just that little rudder on, the, on, the, on its back. <clears throat> the same way our tongue represents our whole body. <clears throat> it says a stream that produces both fresh and bitter water when it starts to get into these other concepts of um, how is it that we're blessing God and then cursing God's creation? So that just doesn't make sense. That's not, that's not okay. Um, and then again, just this, uh, this example of these, uh, oh, the fire, the fire is the other example, Pacific Northwest. We know a few things about forest fires, so I'll let that one speak for itself, but, uh, just how just a little spark of a firework or something out there causes mass damage. We can relate to that one pretty well, but praising God and cursing God, uh, just absolutely makes no sense and that's james's point we can't be people that are here praising jesus and then turn around and and uh and talk trash as soon as we as soon as we leave these doors that's not a loving uh that's not a loving thing to do and that really is just um when we understand that we are all god's creation we shouldn't be talking to people like that it doesn't matter how mad you're getting it doesn't matter if that jerk cuts you off in traffic um, man, it's a, it's a hard one. It's a hard one for me. I'll admit it's, it's a difficult thing for, for me to do. Um, because I just felt for so long and it's something God's really worked on me on, but, and I'm not perfect. And, and I get caught up in things and, and got to go, man, look back and go, I can't believe I said that, but it happens and, and it's hard. These things are hard. Loving people is hard. <clears throat> but he says at the end there, he says that uh, if, you, if you're doing both of these things out of your mouth, if you're producing good and also just producing bad things out of your mouth, uh, it's kind of like having an identity crisis. Uh, it's like having a character problem. It's like a grapevine that for, produces figs, he says. Um, and I like that because that's a, that's a, that would be a reference that Jesus used uh, to talk about uh, bearing fruit. Often Jesus used the reference of uh, fruit and trees um, to make a point. And Matthew 12, 33, just one of the many verses that just talks about um, bearing fruit says either make it the tree that <clears throat> either make the tree good and its fruits good or else make the tree bad and its fruits bad for a tree is known by its fruits. And I think that's a great message from Jesus in Matthew that just says, 
you can either use your tongue for good and bear good fruit, or you can use your tongue for bad. You can use your mouth and your speech for bad, and it's not going to produce things. It's, I don't think I've ever heard anybody go up and say, yeah, you know, I saw a guy and he was being a jerk, and I told him he was being a jerk and just told him how much of a dirtbag he was. And guess what? He's following Jesus now. I, I don't, you don't hear a lot of stories like that. And not saying anything's possible, but I'm just saying like the, the person that, that loves on somebody, that was the example Jesus took. That's what Jesus says, that if we're bearing good fruit, that, that's what Jesus wants from us. And, and, and let's not be trees that are producing bad fruit. Be people that have love coming out of your mouths, have love for others. <clears throat> As I close here today and we just start getting ready for baptisms, um, James just has a lot to say on love here this morning. And just this idea that, uh, that as we grow in our faith, we should be people loving other people. The goal isn't to have to constantly monitor what we say or how we act or, or if we're being judgmental. Sometimes we do have to do that. So we do have to monitor ourselves. But the hope would be that the word of God your relationship with God, your heart with God is growing and that your character would change and that you'd just be less likely to even think about doing that stuff and just go straight to a place of love with people. Um, it gets exhausting trying to continue to monitor yourself um, and say, oh man, I'm, you know, I messed up or <clears throat> should have watched what I said a little bit closer. That stuff has just come naturally if we have a living faith lived out through Jesus' love. And we've got the ultimate example this morning to, to really look at, which is Jesus Christ. He was the ultimate example of, again, putting others before himself when he went to the cross and died for us. He was the perfect man, capable of, of being a perfect judge and not, not us. We're not, we're not worthy like that. <clears throat> to believe in something is to live like it's true. Do you guys believe that? If you believe in something, you believe it's true. And so if our confidence is in Jesus this morning, we need to live like that's true. We need to be loving others, not judging others, not putting others before our, ourselves because that's what Jesus did this morning. <clears throat> I think that's a good wrap for, for us to start getting into baptisms and these people that are gonna take the dive this morning and, and proclaim that they're gonna start living lives publicly for Jesus this morning. Um, and so anybody getting baptized, anybody here that, that's just uh, struggling with those things, that they just need to be leaning on love, growing in God's love. And, and some of these maybe hateful tendencies or sin tendencies that you have will just kind of naturally go away. You'll kind of just see the growth. 